This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Greetings all. Thank you so much for joining me. This episode features a conversation with Adam Roach. Adam is a guitar player extraordinaire based in Melbourne. He's a podcaster. That's how we actually connected a couple of years ago now, I think it was. Time's flying, so couldn't tell you if it was six months ago or a bloody couple of years ago. But either way, we've known each other now for some time. He was very kind and invited me onto his show, which is called Become a Guitarist Today. Again, some time ago. And I thought it was time to extend the invitation and bring him onto Scars and Guitars to get the good oil about his album, Roach and Waden is the moniker that he's released the mission under. Now, the Waden is the guitarist Phoenix van der Waden and uh, Arnold Krakowalka. My gosh, Arnold, if you listen to this, my apologies for butchering the pronunciation of your surname, as I'm sure I've done. Arnold looked after the drum production. There you go. Now, this album's a bit of an all-star affair because it does feature... Miss Jennifer Batten, who performed guitar in Michael Jackson's band in the late 80s. There's a bunch of other guests on there. We do talk all about it throughout the conversation, so I'll leave the nitty-gritty for the chat. Right now, it's time to listen to a tune. Which one have I selected? All ain't enough. And the reason I've selected this one is because it does feature that guitarist, I mentioned Miss Jennifer Batten. Once the tune is finished, we'll cut to the conversation. Let's go.
taken it to the next step and you've created your own album and uh, it's stacked with guest appearances. Some of them are household names amongst the guitar appreciators in the audience. And the album is called The Mission. Love the title. You've released it under the Roach and Wade and Monica. It's one of those classic albums. This brings me back to my youth. You walk into a guitar shop and you hear an album like this playing in the background and you see the guys of the mullets behind the counter sort of talking about things. You're like, yeah, this is this is adding to the whole ambience, the ambiance, if you like, of the guitar yeah. shop experience. But that that alludes to something, which is that the quality of, of the musicianship that you've got there that you put together and you yourself, mate, it's of a different level. So what inspired you to put the album together? Well, I guess it was, I mean, last year, oh, sorry, going back one year before that in 2020, got to get my years right now. Um, you know, Phoenix and I did a lot of collaboration videos where we, you know, did like a tribute to Van Halen. We did, um, you know, Journey, Don't Stop Believing, do all these other little things going on. And then the start of 2021, I, I did another interview uh, with her for the podcast. And just then we, you know, we thought, oh, actually we did one original song, which I just wrote and she got to play on it. And then we just spoke to each other and said, hey, you know, we should actually do a full album. And because we both have the same type of, love the type of music, you know, the 80s rock, 90s rock. And I think so, I think it was probably about June. We got, um, actually got our drum tracks first. So we got all the drum tracks from Arnold Krakowska and then wrote all the riffs around there and just said, okay, you write these songs, I write these ones and got together. And, you know, files back and forth, different riffs, different ideas. And that's how it all come about, pretty much. Where do you get the time, though, to do something like this? Because I'm, I'm writing, I've just written a book, and I know how, how tough it was to do that. But, I mean, you're actually having to find collaborators and people. So, mate, where did you fit it all in with your, your busy schedule? Yeah, well, I guess last year wasn't as bad because of the whole pandemic and, the, you know, the lockdowns. Like, when we very first started, it was the school holidays. So we both had nothing to do. You know, my mm. wife was home with the kids, so I thought, okay, these two weeks, that's it, just going to flat out, just keep writing, uh, get some, just like the, the main riffs down. And then from there, that's when we contacted all the other people. And said, hey, I'd love to have you on an album. Um, and then I'll send them like the rough tracks, and then they'll send their solos. And then, you know, write different, like so some of the songs change completely. But the, the solo sections stand, sounded the same or stayed the same. So at least we still had those solos there from you know, different artists, mm. but we could go back and, change some of the, the music and even, even with the lyrics too. So, I mean, there's not many lyrics to the, the album, but just those choruses, um, you know, we could always change those to, to, to go in with the song. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so just the, with the times, the school holidays, and then I must admit there was a lot of late nights, you know, <laughs> after yeah. the kids would go to bed. You know, I'd spend another three or four hours just doing some tracks and recording and then wake up and do my day again. But, yeah, there's a lot of late nights doing those. And even like um, in between students, you know, get my lunchtime and uh, get in there, just, just keep recording. But I guess it's one of those things, once you're on a roll, I mean, prior to this, my last album was 2010. So it's been a long time in between albums. Um, and I just feel it's always been the case. As soon as you start writing, you can't really stop. It's just like ideas just keep coming and you just want to put them down straight away. So you- you chose Phoenix to collaborate with. What can you tell me about him? Yeah, well, Phoenix, I first had met Phoenix back in, I'd say, 2018. I had her on the podcast, and I think it was pretty much from, I think I saw her on, on the internet, just saw her shredding away, and I thought, yeah, it'd be great to have her on the podcast to, to talk about. So, yeah, she was on then, and then, uh, funny enough, she was actually uh, a fan of the podcast. Yeah, she'd been listening to it from the start. Sweet. So, yeah, so we clicked it straight away. And then we just kept in contact. And, yeah, like I said, 2020, we did a lot of collaborations with um, with Phoenix and Robin Ferguson as well in South Africa. Nice. No, Robin, Which, quite well. Yeah, yeah. Robin, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I think I had Phoenix on one more time on the podcast and then thought, yeah, that's it. I just loved her style of playing. Uh, I think yeah. we're both, like, completely different. Like, some of the stuff she does, I, there's no way I could do that, you know. <laughs> I'm not that type of player, but I think with my style and her style, it works well together with the way this album come out. I still treat myself as more of a, a rhythm guitarist on this album. 
you know, I wrote a lot of the rhythms and the, the harmony parts. I still got my mm. leads in there, but compared to all the other guitarists in there, you know, they're, they're the shredders and they do their thing. But you, <laughs> Which is you've Phoenix, got, yeah, she's, that's perfect. yeah, she's, so correct me if I'm wrong, this is my impression though around things. So you've got more of a classic 70s, 80s approach to rhythm and certainly your leads, which are definitely Van Halen-esque. Congratulations on being able to nail a lot of that stuff. I can hear that. She's got more of a modern metal take on things. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, definitely, exactly. Yep. Yeah, so even like her rhythms, um, yeah, it's probably about four or five songs on this album where she wrote all the rhythms and, yeah, they're completely different to the ones I wrote. And a lot of people have actually heard that. They said, oh, yeah, you can tell. Yeah, which ones she's wrote, and which yeah. ones I've wrote. Yeah, I've had I've had a good few listens to it, and I, that started to emerge and become apparent. It was certainly became apparent your, your different soloing techniques when it was just isolated between yourselves. I know, I know you got other guests on there, and let's talk about another one. Well, one of those guests that you've got on there, amongst many, but Jennifer Batten, who's tour de force with Michael Jackson, was on stage. Was it through Bad, or was it Thriller? Um, I think it was bad or dangerous. Was it dangerous, dangerous was it? Yeah. Um, so she was Michael Jackson's guitarist for people who don't know, but can shred. Fantastic oh, player. Yeah. How, how did you meet her? Uh, funny enough, through the podcast. <laughs> nice. So I think she was um, probably on episode, gee, it was right near the start of 2017. Um, yeah. It was back in the day when I was just reaching out to everyone, just emailing them and saying, hey, I'd love to have you on the podcast. Um, I think it was actually through my very first guest, which was uh, Bill Levity from Firehouse. He might have put me in contact with Jennifer. And, yeah, so she's actually been on the podcast a few times, probably about four times, I'd say. Nice. And, yeah. and then she was one of the collaborators in one of the videos I did, uh, Don't Stop Believing. She did solo on that. And, you know, I've been part of her um, Guitar Cloud Symposiums, which is held, you know, it's like a guitar online course. Yep. And so, yeah, so I just reached out to it and um, she actually came back with all these different tracks, like they had the, the main solo track. And she had another track with just like a little um, like type of guitar effects and then another one like a little, another funky little rhythm over the top, which is like lightly in the background, but you can still hear it. So that was amazing to have her do that. And, you know, I was just expecting this one little shred solo, but she came back and you could tell she spent a lot of time on it. How does one approach one of the great guitarists of the modern era and say, hey, can you guest on my album? Like, do you, do you just send her an email and say, hey, I've got this project, would you mind contributing something? Is that how it works? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That was it. Just, yeah, just send an email, like I said, just through the, all the other contacts I've had with her. Mm. Like, since the, the first interview, I've stayed in contact with her over the last four years, five years, um, just through, you know, different things with the guitar, guitar course, the, the uh, different videos. Um, you know, she did a shout out to my daughter when it was her birthday. She sent a video for that. So mm. she become more like a, a friend, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's happened to me with some some of the uh, people that we interviewed too. You end up emailing and exchanging ideas long after the conversation is finished. And it's great when that happens, isn't it? It's sort oh, it of, um, I mean, I'm, I'm old enough now not to get fan, not to be a bit of a fanboy. I've only done it once, I think, which was with Doug Wimbish from Living Colour being a okay. bassist. I mean, you know, I think anybody out there could forgive me for that one there. But, um, yeah, you just end up thinking, wow, I know these people. And in your case, you've got a creative voice through the guitar. You've got this project. And it's like, hey, I'm writing this bit. Wouldn't Jennifer be great on this bit here? Yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah, it's just all yeah. the people, they might be world famous, but they're just people that are a part of your, your orbit now. Yeah. But funny enough, though, the, the track that Jennifer plays on, uh, All Ain't Enough, um, when Phoenix first sent me the track, because she wrote the riff for that one, hmm. and I come to that solo section and I said to her, hey, I can really hear Jennifer's playing over the solo. And right at exactly the same time, Phoenix was messaging me to say exactly the same thing. So, hey, yeah, this is really good track for Jennifer. So it was just, it was like meant to be. It was crazy. Yeah, I love it when that sort of stuff happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's unreal. Yeah. And she said now, yes. Bonus. Yeah. Yeah, well, I remember talking to Ralph Santola from Deerside and a bunch of other bands, Def, you know, about that sort of thing. But he would, he would, he told me that he agreed to virtually play out anything people sent through to him. But the amount of people sending through contracts. Oh, yeah. Things. And it's like, no, I just want to help you out. Just, 
if you pay me, I can't remember if we talked about money or not, but I imagine there might be someone in the vicinity of a few hundred bucks here for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Ralph was just a lovely fellow. So I think probably more often than not, he just did it out of the corners of his own heart too. But um, yeah, it all just comes down to you being able to build rapport, like you say, and establishing contact with people and being authentic. I think that's the other thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the guests on the, on the album were like that. Mm. You know, as soon as I reached out, they, I mean, it's probably about, Probably four or five. I can't remember the exact ones, but there's, you know, a lot of them said said yes, which was great. Who said no? I was just trying to think. Um, actually, it's funny. It was probably more of the local guys. <laughs> they just had no had no time. Like, um, yeah, uh, what's his name? Chris Brooks in Sydney. It's like he's a shredder player. Like he's been on the podcast before. He's got a couple of his books there. Hmm. But he just said, yeah, he, he was writing another book, so he couldn't do it. Um, who else? Oh, Bill, Bill Leverty, my first guy from the firehouse. Mm. Uh, he, again, didn't have time, couldn't do it. Yeah. He was doing a few different things. Yeah, they're probably the main ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've got a, you've got an all-star cast there or thereabouts anyway. So, but the uh, I've already alluded to it, which is the and I know because I follow we follow each other on Instagram and Facebook, but I've seen your posts, especially some some of the older videos or photos they might be. But I'm so sure I've seen an older video of you with your long hair, shredding as only Van yeah. Halen can. So one of the most impressive things that I came came across was that yeah, there's the Van Halen thing in there, but you've also got your own take on it. So the template starts at Van Halen, but then there's yep. definitely some Adam Roach in there too. So Van Halen, he's been your go-to, I take it, in years past as, as one of your key and most significant inspirations. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's definitely been my inspiration for guitar playing, but I wouldn't say for in my guitar style, you know what I mean? Like you're saying, like it's, um, I, I can't play like him. Like, you know, I may do a little bit of tapping, but his style of playing is just incredible compared to what I can do. But, uh, but what I do is... Yeah, different style, I guess. I was probably mixed up in between, like, growing up on Eden Halen, you know, Kiss or Mother Crew, all those type of things, um, where, you know, like the song Tell Me, that was a song I had back in 1990 with my original band called Eclipse. Mm, So that's where that one came from. And there was actually two songs, that one and Stand Tall. So that was another song I had back in probably 89. So then I just, you know, Built on it from, from those, it changed completely. Yeah, Windows of Time was the one. The intro there was where I thought the Van Halen thing really shone through. It comes through in other other parts of the album there, but that one there, when I heard that, I was like, "Wow, yeah, you, you studied that playing." And to your point, yeah, you're not like it, but as I say, there are characteristics yeah. of, of that playing that have made it into yours there. And it's made you hear it. It's just a joy to hear a guitarist who's sort of been studying that long and actually can pull it off because many try, but few can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah no, I'll definitely try it over the years. So. What, what about your choice of guitars through this one here, mate? Was it just a, a case of which spice suited the, the dish, so to speak, or did you have a, a particular guitar in mind for each song? Yeah, no, it was just pretty much whichever one I had. Like, it was mainly the three guitars. I had my uh, custom mate, which is um, by a guy here in Melbourne, Michael J. Finity, uh, which is uh, just the Australian Cedarwood. Nice. And the Brian made pickups. So that was probably the main one. And then I had a, another Ibanez, which I can't remember the brand of it, but <laughs> I just had that one sitting there. And then I had the other Ibanez, which is the, the one of the Adrian Halen guitar stripes, uh, stripes on it there. Yep, yep. And so I used that because I had the, the Vega trim put on that. So I used that's for my Whammy stuff. I had that one going. Nice, yep. And then just after the album, that's when I got my, my Gibson, after the albums were recorded. And then I received my new uh, Eddie Van Halen Bumblebee guitar, mm-hmm. just, uh, just down there. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so, you can see the back of it. So that'll be on the top of it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I wish I had, had those for this album, but still, yeah, got, we've, uh, got away what I did. <laughs> mm. But, yeah, what so are, every guitar was just pretty much, um, I'll try a few different things out, what sound best. Mm. Yeah, it's a lot like that. I, I go to Music Man, you see, just I just find them just, Except for their bloody battery patch, packs, which fail, the tone's very yeah. reliable. Because through Galley and Kruger, I just go, yeah, but that's all live stuff. When it comes to the studio, it's basically, yeah, I'll plug that in, and whatever bloody plugins go on afterwards in Pro Tools or whatever digital audio workstation yeah. people are working through, I'm quite happy for people to do whatever they want. So that's a question for you. What was the audio yeah. workstation you used to record everything? Yeah, well, what's here at home? I used um, 
Adobe, what's it called? Sound booth. Yeah, nice. I think yeah, it is. No. yeah. Um, so, because I use that for my podcasting. So I thought, I'd, I mean, there's all these other ones, you know, Audacity, there's Cubase, Pro Tools, which I know are a lot more advanced. But just because I was familiar with that, I thought, yeah, I might as well use it. And you can line all the tracks up and, you know, people send me their tracks and it goes in easy. Mm. Um, and then from there, I send it over to the guy who mixed it in France. In France, okay. The, gotcha. I was going to ask yeah. you, mixed it. Yeah, got a decent sound, yeah. Yeah. So basically what happened is um, recorded all the tracks, you know, had different effects here. And then so Arnold, who mixed it, he said, can you do all the rhythm tracks again? But... This time with a total clean sound, which I must admit that was a little bit of a challenge. Okay. <laughs> to go back and do it without any distortion or anything, you really had to make a think, and yeah, because you got to, you can't hear if you're hitting those other strings or um, yeah, other things coming over the top. Yeah, I know why he wants that too, because that's that's why the plugins are so important. Because he just goes and lays over the top what he thinks is going to work for the track. I, yeah, it's mm. a, it's a it's taking that creative approach. He almost becomes part of the band in that process. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he did a lot to do with them, like, as far as the guitar tracks, and then, yeah, you know, even like, um, you know, it's a few different ideas where he put like the vocals at the start and a few different things going on. And he played on the last track as well, which is mm. really cool. I was listening very intently to one of Daniel Johns's podcast episodes. Of course, Jan- Daniel Johns from Silverchair. Mm. Be frank with you, I think he's enormously talented. Never rated him as a songwriter, particularly, or the band is a great band. To be honest with you, they were just part of a zeitgeist at the time, and they exploded and bubbled up, and then went sort of who who knows where in Daniel's um, yeah. weird creative muse that he's got these days. But um, Kevin Caveman Shirley talked about how he helped the group. He feels. He's, he's not using these exact words I'm using here, but he talked about how he feels like he's as much of a part of the creative process as what the band was because they were so young they didn't know how to even write songs at the time. But he actually got this pistachio of all of these riffs and stuff and assembled them together into the album that you could hear. Now, I only listened to the album a couple of times back in 1995. Again, the band aren't my thing, but I listened to it again last night or not last night, last week, yeah. and I thought... That album, Frog Stomp, is one of the most important touchstones for how crucial it is to get a decent producer in or mixer even, okay, depending on which way you want to take it, but they do a fairly similar job at the end of the day. Mm. Um, What role they play in actually helping an album come to life. Okay. And that that Frog Stomp album is, without him, it just doesn't happen. It's that simple. Okay. And I think that's why Daniel Johns decided to go away from him afterwards because he knew that it'd be more of a controlling influence that he was prepared to allow. And he talked about that later on in the podcast. But for you, my point after all of that wrapped in, it will arrive at this question, which is that how much artistic license did you give? uh, Did you you say his name was Arthur? Sorry, the gents. Arnold. Arnold, Arnold, sorry. Arnold, how much creative license did you allow, Arnold? Pretty much just, just go for it. I mean, luckily enough, you know, he was happy with a lot of the tracks the way they were. Uh, but no, I just said to him, like there's even one of the tracks which was, um, which one was it? Oh, Road to Triumph. So with that track there, we actually had the track finished and then I, I actually came up with an idea of it to do like a little blues intro to it. Mm. So all I did, I just recorded a few different guitar tracks, a few solos, a few rhythms, and just sent it to him and said, just so we just go for it, so we can come up with, <laughs> and he actually put all that, all that together, and then yeah, and then build up into the, uh, the actual riff. So that that one, for example, yeah, just like hundred percent really creative, mm. artistic here to do that one. How, how um, have you found? But a lot of the other ones. So so just to Sorry. dovetail that point. No, you're right. No, you have to actually allow you, mate. You, you finish your, what you're saying there, and I'll ask my question. Go for it. Yeah, no, I was going to say yeah, a lot of the songs we pretty much had the way. You know, we already had him structured with the drums and everything. There's only a few where, yeah, he did that type of thing. We changed it around. Hmm. Yeah. So the question I planned for you was um, what sort of feedback have you got from people then? Because there are obviously people like myself are going to listen to it and go, great stuff. You know, we're, I'm invested in that way. But have you had many people who aren't part of the so-called Muso Brigade listen to it and give you feedback that it's rocking? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I've had a few. Um but it's funny that a lot of people said they were surprised with the, the arrangements. <laughs> I mean, not so much in musical terms, but they think um, they were surprised there wasn't a lot of vocals throughout the whole songs. 
Mm. I hadn't really heard songs played before where there's like a chorus with vocals. So that's probably the main feedback I've had from people that aren't musicians. Mm. But people that, I mean, a lot of my friends are musicians. A lot of them get it. They say, okay, that's cool, you know, something different where guitars are on the verse melodies, then the vocals come in for the chorus. Um, but, yeah, so that's probably the main thing I'd say. But yeah, uh, a lot of the musician friends are just saying that they love the, the different arrangements of the songs and different type of feels. Yeah, yeah. Nice colours. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And, and and how did how did you find promoting it uh, via social media in terms of the results? Because I know you were doing some promotion there because I saw it. Yeah, but it has been a little bit tricky, I'd say, because it's like there's a lot of things out there. And, I mean, we released the album through DistroKid. Yep. And they're the ones they put to all the different platforms. Um, so you really rely on them to, to get it out. And they're, they're always coming up with new ideas, which is great. Like they've got those little videos where you – you know, samples your song and they've got different characters doing the, the intros and everything. <laughs> um, but as far as our own promotion, we're still really getting into that at the moment. Now, we haven't done it a lot just because it pretty much finished at, what, December 14th, the album was finished and out there. Mm. So it's been what, a month and a half, you know, nearly two months. Um, so we've still got a lot to do on that far, that side of it. Mm. Um, yeah, that's, that's it's a big challenge. Oh, it's a massive challenge, yeah. mate. It's it's. I, I've got to say, from what I from what I can see, success is almost driven by gaming the system, gaming the algorithms, buying likes through Fairmoid, this sort of thing, and trying to pump up the product to be bigger than actually what it is, and then attract the attention of people who otherwise wouldn't be looking. But it's an authentic way of doing it because you're trying to aim it at the people that would typically buy a Malmsteen or a Steve Vai album, this sort of yeah. thing, and you just you're trying to target them on. Instagram and on Facebook, but it just costs so much money to do as well. And it does. Uh, yeah, it, it's, but I mean, what, what other avenue, their utilities, mate, no matter what they say, they're the Telstra and Optus of the modern era, meaning that if you don't have your stuff on social media, it nobody sees it. Very few yeah. people see it. Your friends and family might. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge too has been trying to get people to actually buy the physical CD. Like, yeah, you know, we've had a lot of people just say, hey, you know, I love to stream it on what Spotify, Apple Music, whatever. But the CDs, you know, we got made up, I think it was two, three hundred or so. Yeah. But no one has wanted to buy CDs and no one's got CD players. <laughs> That's interesting. You actually went down that route. So actually you pressed up two, two to three hundred CDs. And, yeah. and and with the, in the anticipation that people who listen to this sort of music would prefer to listen by the physical copy. Is that what the thinking was? Yeah, yeah. Hoping like to, to people, you know, the diehard, People would like to get CDs and uh, I mean, we didn't do the LP. That would have been great as well. Um, yeah, just to try and get out there and try and recoup a bit of the cost involved for the album. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, you don't make any money from the, the streaming platforms. So, like I think we got $4 for a 1,000 streams. <laughs> yeah, from Spotify was that or Apple Music yeah, yeah. or both. That's right. yeah. Spotify, yeah, yeah. It's, it's nothing. It's... I, I had it worked out the other day, actually, what a thousand streams on, what a thousand views on YouTube give you too, because I do, I have monetized my YouTube channel and uh, yeah. it was something ridiculous, like 30 cents. Like, <laughs> you know, like I do, I, I have, I got money in there from, because there's quite a few people listen to these conversations with the guys in Gamma Ray and um, Gary Holt from Slayer and Exodus, this sort of thing. But yeah, you look at it and think, to your point about recouping your uh, your investment. I think the investment is the fact that you've got art out there, and that's that's fulfill self fulfilling yeah. in that way. It can it's, all, it's I think I worked out. Sorry, this is another segue. I do this. That's no, right. <laughs> I think I worked out something like with all of the money that I'd spent on musical equipment over the years, I'd have to be gigging twice a week right up until I was about seventy five or something like that. Like yeah. every weekend up to that point, just to break even on the amount of gear money I spent on PA. Yeah. Basses, guitars, the whole thing. You know, it's 50 or 60 grand or whatever it was that I'd spent, that I worked out that I'd spent so far. You know, I'd sold some of it and, you know, you, said you buy it for full price and you sell it for half. That's how it tends to work. And so yeah. taking that into consideration, I'd still have to be playing up until I was like 70 or something like that, getting paid at least just that bare minimum sort of $150, $200 for mm. playing each night. Oh, so yeah. it's, it's never a venture that we get into anticipating. That there's ever going to be a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it shows the difference though. Like, like, like I was saying, my last album I did 
was yeah, 2010. And back then it was all, we you know, made up CDs and pretty much sold out of those ones. It was great. Hmm. But now, and even though we're having all these artists on there, you know, we hardly get any sales. <laughs> I mean, a lot yeah. of people just streaming it. Yeah, oh, look, I've, I've got my book coming out on the 20th of February and I haven't even looked into the physical and the print copy yet, even though I've had people message me saying, I want that one. I'm like, look, I know what it costs for me to do it right now and it doesn't cost that much at all outside of the time that I've put into it. I've gone through uh, draft to digital and they've got it in all of the major shop retail shop fronts like Amazon and Angus yeah. and Robertson and all of that sort of stuff, Barnes & Noble, same thing. Um, but, yeah, making that leap and then p- putting a physical copy of the book out i think i'd only press up about 20 at major cost to me and i probably would just send them out to anybody that wanted them to be honest with you yeah. because i mean i'd get back even if i build them 20 dollars per book for the cost of printing i'd probably only get back about a third of what it is that i'd invested and at that point i'd probably just go take it <laughs> yeah that's right. i'm being nice yeah. i'm being nice just take it I'll see. I haven't. Yeah. Anybody out there listening to the podcast is expecting to get a free book. Don't. I'll just see how things go. Yet. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, the hard thing now these days is the freight as well. Like we've had a lot of um, oh, you know, yeah. people buying it from America and Germany, and the freight was like more than it is to do the album. You know, it was like to Germany, I think it was like twenty five dollars to send the album. Where the you know the album was twenty five dollars. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen a few indie producers, meaning like uh, I think the guy from Pull the Plug Patches was having a rant on, you know, the the pins and patches that all the metal fans like to buy, was having a rant about people offshore because they're based in Australia, based in Newcastle, I think, um, complaining about the cost of shipping or how fast shipping was. And I'm thinking, God, in 2022, it gets to you whenever it gets to you. I've, I've had to wait for my record is three months for something to be sent from the Netherlands. Okay, it just it just took that long. Yeah, there must have been a problem though, but still, it took that long for it to come out. Or Czech, sorry, Czech Republic, it was. Um, there must have been an issue, but look, it gets to you eventually. It just takes bloody ages. Yeah, well, Phoenix, um, you know, the person on the wrote the songs with, she's still waiting on the CDs. You know, I said about uh, <laughs> start of December. Oh, um, that's case pretty, in point. There you go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's in uh, Brazil. Oh, Brazil's got a notorious um, transit system and uh, postal yeah. delivery system, though, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, the Philippines too. My wife's family are over there and um, mm. we, we, you, you've got to know who to go to to get stuff sent to you, otherwise it gets into the wrong hands, meaning the, the government officials get a hold yeah. of it and hold on to it and want the ta- they tax it. Mm. We've had that happen to a couple of things there uh, in the oh. Philippines. So yeah, yeah, you've got to know sort of which delivery service to go through to sort of bypass those. Those it's effectively fraud, it's corruption. But what can you do? Yeah, yeah, that's it. exactly yeah, the world over. But uh, look, we've talked about the podcast a little bit. That's how you and I connected because we're both podcasters, obviously. Um, you very kindly invited me mm. onto your show. It was a, a year and a half ago or thereabouts. It only feels like yesterday, of course. But um, yeah. let's just talk about your podcast. Can you yeah. give people listening a bit of an overview as to what the name of your podcast is and what what the theme of your podcast is all about? Yeah, so it's called Become a Guitarist Today podcast, and it's actually changed over the years. So when I very first started back in 2017, it was more to do a lot with guitars and, you know, um, get interview different people about different techniques and get a couple of um, you know a few views on what they think, what to how to practice and things like that. Whereas I say in what 2019 when I got in contact with John Howworth, then it become more of a promotion CD, pretty much same like yours. You know, we get the albums, get the artists on, talk about the albums, um, and yeah, I mean I'd like to throw in a few guitar questions, but but. For myself, I'm not really a guitar gear type guy as, mm-hmm. as much. You know, probably more um, their influences and building up to their, what happened on their album rather than what's involved in the recording process. Uh, sorry, the equipment used. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess yeah, most of the podcast these days is more about yeah, promoting the artist's albums and just finding out a little bit about themselves. Yeah, about the guitar, <laughs> not too much. Yeah, 
I, I do something similar with mine. Um, I, I certainly don't pick guitar-centric guests. I generally look for the ones that have got the biggest profile in the media or that are interesting to me personally because that will make yeah. for a more interesting conversation. But, yeah, thank God for John Howth. He's easily one of the most – easily. I've got to say he's easily the most consistent media uh, and I guess you call him media manager and distribution manager out there um, yeah. in that we get – two or three opportunities a week without fail. It's just, a, and even more sometimes at peak seasons, it's up to 10 yeah, opportunities yeah. come through. And they're the, they're the days where I, I try to, I don't know about you, but for me with the family, uh, especially with the kids getting to the AJR, you can hear a lot of yelling in the background when we're trying to talk and stuff at this time of night. You probably heard my, my nephews yeah. out there yelling around and stuff. It's just, it's you, you can't, there's not really much you can do about that. So that consequently, and we sort of had a conversation about this over uh, Messenger, most of my chats happen at about mm. between sort of four and six in the morning. Um, John's very mm. kind and organises that for me in that way. Um, and the guys when I'm talking to, they have a bit of a chuckle because it's they can see it's dark outside like it is now and they can see it getting lighter. <laughs> so they can tell it's the morning because they're all in North America, as you know, although North America and Europe, most of the people that we speak to. But, yeah, uh, yeah you, you do have uh, a, you do have an excellent podcast and uh, have you found it, have you found that it's reached, like have you achieved an audience that you hoped when you started? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, definitely over the last you know, couple of years, I'd say it's really picked up, and um, yeah, like you know, a lot of people commenting about it, and especially like having Zach Wild on. You know, I know you had on him as well. That was just incredible and friendliest. That's what I found too. Like the the interviews that I've been getting, the guys, the, the guest artists, just being really friendly and really easy to talk to as well. Yeah, close your ears, local artists, on this one here, because I just I've always found that the local artists are the biggest punishers. The big yes. artists like your Zach Wilds or your Kai Hansons and stuff couldn't, they can't, I mean, they're limited by the amount of time they can give you because they're on a schedule, but they couldn't be more congenial yeah. in their conversations, could they? Oh, for sure. You know, I yeah, often found that yeah. it's just weird, you know, how that happens. Yeah, it is. You know, when I mean, you try yeah, to give right. a bit of a leg up to some of the local groups and you find them... You just find either the conversation still to do, or you find that they take the uh, the promotion of, or, you know, the sharing of it a bit of a lark, if you like. And, and I think, oh, fuck off, excuse me, which it's just, it's how much time in the day have we got? I've just explained that I'm doing most of mine in the morning. Look, I, and the other thing is to the amount of local people who contact me that don't have EPKs and things, like they we may have an album released sometime soon. It's like you don't have an album in the can. You've got nothing in the can. You're just a local band messing about. More power to you. Yeah. You're playing at King Lee's Throne or wherever you might be playing. I love it. Love what you're doing. But in order for you to come on the show, there's got to be a lot more than just, hi, we're a band. Yeah, exactly, for sure. Yeah, yeah no, thankfully, like we are saying with John, just don't have to worry about that. He's great. <laughs> who's Who's been your favourite guest so far that you've had on? Um. Actually, probably, I mean, Zach was great. He was really funny. And um, what was his name from The Darkness? What's his name? Uh, Justin Hawkins or uh, the, the yeah, Justin Hawkins. Justin Hawkins. No, 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 Justin, yeah, he was really friendly too. He just like, as soon as I met him, you know, straight away in the podcast, just like known him for ages, you know, just a really friendly guy. Yeah, I, 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 every time the darkness come up, I take the opportunity to chat to um, Roger Taylor's son because he's the drummer in the band. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. he was drummering, you know, the, the nouveau version of Queen with Adam Lambert there for a while too. You know, they pulled double duty, he and his dad. And I've found him to be, I mean, this guy's like rock royalty effectively. I mean, Jesus, he's the son of the member of, I mean, he, he knew Freddie Mercury. He might have been a baby, so he can't remember him, but still, you know. But you find yeah. that these guys, they're just so easy to chat to, aren't they? Oh, they are. You know. And even that local, a lot of ones coming out from Finland and everything. Like I know you just had, um, was it Tommy on from Amorphous? Yeah, great guy. Easy easy guy to talk to, another great example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I got one coming out next week with Tommy. Yeah, Tommy was fantastic actually. Uh, great. You know, you know what I like about those guys too is, um, you know, you've probably seen that in Instagram, as soon as you tag an artist or anybody who's got an Instagram account in on your yeah. post, it sends them a direct message. I don't yeah. like the feature, to be honest with you. But anyway, they've picked that up and shared that on their social. So you see a massive boost with the yeah, listenership after, after they do that. And uh, I've never punished an artist about sharing material. Most, like when they say, oh, yeah, we'll share it, and then they don't. It's like, no, that's well, no, no worries whatsoever. You know what I mean? You're doing yeah, yeah. tens of these every day, hundreds of these across a month, as if you're going to remember to share this one here. 
What, what are your thoughts then yeah. on? I think you've had stuff picked up by blabbermouth and metal injection and all those. Let's just call them clickbait sites for lack of any other description because yeah. that's really what they are. They lead with a controversial topic, put a bunch of advertising around mm. it and blast it through socials and hopefully they get their bump and therefore they get their revenue. What, what's yeah. your opinion on blabbermouth and those other sites? Yeah, I've only probably had, really had the, the one time with um, Bart Walsh I had on who used to play guitar and David Rossman because um, I had like a, a huge interview with him, went for like two hours. And so I had the, the two-part series. And I think it was like two weeks after I interviewed him, that's when he, he passed away. So that's when Blubbermouth put it on saying, hey, this is like the last interview we did. Um, and I, cause I didn't realise at the time, because I was getting heaps of downloads and like, what's going on here? And then I realised it was on um, yeah, Blubbermouth. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. That's how, I think that's the only time it's been on, on that one. Mine goes in waves. I tend to find Mouth will pick up about 15 episodes in a row, provided they're of an artist of a certain stature, you know, Gary Holt and Zetro Souza from Exodus, this sort of thing. But, um, yeah, I've got to be honest, I'm yet to see it. You get a bump in listenership in that episode, but it doesn't translate into new subscribers. So, I've, yeah. yeah, I've never purposefully aimed. I look... I'll admit now I've sent stuff through to them in the past because I thought it might be newsworthy, but then they go and pick up something else in the conversation. Yeah. Okay. To this yeah. day, look, I didn't alert them to this one at all, but my um, chat with, um, oh, God, I've got a mental blank. What's Dawkins' guitarist? Um, George Lynch. George Lynch. My chat yeah. with him from 2018, it might have been, where he mentioned Donald Trump. He's just for, for Donald Trump. I've got a Google alert. I've got an alert set up on that one. It still gets talked about to this day by those clickbait bait sites, that episode. It's like the episode that oh, keeps wow. giving. Yeah. I wrote about it. Yeah, it's. I mean, in terms of impressions, it's well into the like 20 or 30,000 or something like that. But as I say, <laughs> does that translate into new subscribers for the podcast? The answer is a definitive no, it doesn't. Because yeah, the exactly. user, the people reading that shit is only interested in the clickbait. They're not actually interested in deeping, diving deeper and listening to the whole episode, a la Joe yeah. Rogan or what have you. They're only interested mm-hmm. in that that small section. So, look, I, I've I've sort of seesawed on whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Ultimately, I think all publicity is good publicity unless it's, you know, there's certain publicity you don't want out there. Um, but yeah. by and large, 95% of publicity is good publicity. So ride with, ride with it. Yeah, definitely. Well, I had an interview uh, yesterday with um, an author called Steve Rosen. His name is or Stephen Rosen. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's actually bringing out a book, I think, in a, a few weeks' time. And he lived with Ida Van Halen. Oh, sorry, not lived with him. He interviewed him from 1977 for about 26 years. And, like, some of his tapes on YouTube, and he's, it's amazing. Like, he's, he was more of a friend, I guess, to Ida Van Halen than anyone else. And this book he's bringing out, it's about 500 pages. But some of the stories you told me yesterday, it was like incredible. So I'm really looking forward to getting that one out there for the oh, wow. Ben Halen fans or just for anyone really. Some of the stories. He's, this guy's interviewed every guitarist you can think about. Mm. He worked for Guitar Player magazine. Um, what's the Japanese magazine? I think it's just called Player. Might have been. Like for the day. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think he did something for Cream and all these different ones. But yeah, this guy's knows everyone. So it was really good to interview him and find out his stories about Ida Van Halen as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, I imagine, I mean, it's impossible now, of course, but um, he was certainly well and truly alive and kicking whilst we've been, we were doing this. Would if, And I often ask this, often think, ask myself this question. I mean, those ultimate heroes, you know, like the James Hetfields and the Van Halens, if an opportunity came up to interview them, say Hetfield, would you take it? Yeah. Hundred percent. But yeah, you know, it's funny. When I first started this podcast, it was sort of like my my aim, in a way, I guess, <laughs> was to to try and get out there. It was getting there. You know, I was interviewing like Billy Sheen, Eddie Munt, um, you know, Bart Walsh, who played with David Roth, all these different guys that knew Eddie, but just never come about. Mm. And then I was trying to get uh, his son on Wolfgang. You know, I would have loved to have him on as well. Oh wow! But, yeah, I've seen you're a fan of, yeah. of the album Mammoth. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, but I've heard a few different stories, you know, with him. Like he doesn't like to do a lot of interviews, or, or I don't know, see, see what happens. But I'd still love to interview him. Would it come up? Definitely a bit love to do that. Yeah, he's a complicated guy. He's probably the best way to describe it. That's the way yeah. I, I see Wolfie because he he makes a point of answering the most 
inane tweets are directed at him. And it's like, dude, you don't have to touch any of that crap. Don't bother. Like Twitter is a sewer at the best of times. At the worst of times, it resembles Dante's circle of hell. Just leave it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, but he's an amazing musician. Like the, have you heard the album? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I mean, it's not really my thing. It's not. I like things a bit heavier, as you probably know. I like. I like. Yeah, the, yeah. I shocked our mistress. I love. So I do love some rock stuff, no doubt. But yeah, his stuff. It's probably a bit too nouveau, carnivaly. And I know he's. Been, I know he's. He's inspired a lot by Carnival. He's. He's acknowledged yeah. that. You know, the Perth band, and it, it actually reminded me of them. Mm. Yeah, I mean, just the way he he plays. The different instruments, like you, know, you hear some people like a lot of guitarists, they might play all the instruments, but you can you can tell, you know, it doesn't sound like the a, a, a drum, proper drummer or a proper bass player or whatever else. Mm. But if you once you really break down his album, all the instruments he's played, you know, just really professional, and his vocals too. Oh, he's, he's, an, he's an immensely talented young, well, he's not young anymore, but I'll never forget those videos surfacing when he first was in, you know, those when David Lee Roth came back into Van Halen, a different kind of truth. Was that the album from 2012? I can't remember now. I think yeah, you're yeah. right in saying yeah. that. Yeah. yeah no, the videos right. surface of them supporting that. And there was one fan film one where they were standing in front of Wolfie and you could see the fan was trying to film David Lee Roth, but Wolf's bass playing was so fan, was awesome. This guy yeah. just ended up just planting his camera on Wolfie, you know, just listening yeah. to him play. He, he played it, you know, he's playing with a pick, so it wasn't um, – it was very different to um, what Van Halen had before, of course, but it just locked in tight with his dad, the sort of yeah. comradeship that you only get when you, you've been around somebody for decades and just in, in intimately understand their playing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, it's just great. I mean, I – yeah, you know, I, I played bass on all this album, so I hope, hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, you, you can tell it's a guitarist playing bass. So, yeah, it only it often doesn't come across as uh, a guitarist playing bass on an album. It does live though. I've seen that quite yeah, a bit. Yeah. And hey, I'm a bass player who plays guitar, so I can't. I just do bar chords, you know, with a few leads here and there, you know, but mainly just yeah. a lot of rhythmic strumming. I find it, I mean, you being a guitar teacher, this is, you know, one of the cardinal sins. I often just revert to holding it like this, the plectrum like this. I'm like, don't do it, don't do it. But it just happens and, <laughs> and it flies off somewhere. It's like, that's why you don't hold it with there. So, yeah, I mean, this, you know, we've all got our, we've all got our horses in the race, so to speak, and mine's definitely, definitely a base. So, just, just continuing the, the theme of the conversation, the theme of the topic around guests of your show, can you talk about any that you haven't enjoyed talking to? Haven't? Yeah, that you haven't? You didn't enjoy the chat? Well, there's been one where it was more, um, I guess he didn't really answer a lot of the questions like in, in full, like I would have thought, mm. um, which was, what's his name? Is it Denko? Danko Jones. Oh, Danko Jones, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a great guy, but just, I don't know, I felt like um, it's like he, he had things to do. So, oh, I'll just quickly get through this, you know, get through the interview. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I've I've had those interviews where you can hear the car keys jangling and the door chime going off in the car and stuff, and you're like, we don't have to do this, really. We don't have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> some some of those interviews are quite yeah, good yeah. because you catch them off guard and they just answer the question honestly. Where they where they're yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've had I've had a yeah. chat to Danko as well, and I found him pretty good actually. It's uh, he's um, he he said something to me that had me in. It was one of the only times where I've lost my shit. I was just hysterically laughing, and he couldn't work out why I was laughing. But he did some some really facetious pun on something. But he was he thought he was taking it very seriously. And I'm saying, thank you. You can't be serious about this. But he's like, yeah, I am. And I kind of it won't be funny for everybody listening now. But it was if anybody wants to go and check out my episode with Danko, you can hear me lose my shit there. And Danko quite uh, is a bit confused, but laughs along with me good heartedly and says, oh, yeah, well, you're funny. It's funny. So be it. But uh, yeah, I've, I've only I've only had a couple. I've got to say some of the local artists that I've had. I've had a few local artists come on. Like I generally only will deal with people once they've come through a gatekeeper. Okay. Yep. Because that means that they've got an album coming out or what have you. Well, one time I, I, it still came through a gatekeeper, but this guy, um, I think he was in a mental health facility or something. 
Um, and it very oh, well. quickly, yeah, it was a, the strangest interview I've ever done. I basically just handed, I just sat back and just let him talk and went, and I didn't release it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, no, God, no. I was like, there's no way I'm putting this out there. It's like I feel like as though oh. I felt like if I hung up, he, he might go into hysterics or something. So I just <laughs> left it. That was a, the strangest one. But of, of the big ones that people are aware of and stuff, Scott Ian wasn't my favourite from Anthrax. Yeah. Um, he's just, I don't know, he's just one of those guys I think he's not that enjoyable to talk to. His bassist, Frank Bellow in Anthrax, lovely guy, completely different. Probably my all-time least favourite interview was uh, Rex from Pantera. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, by far. Yeah, I thought that interview was going to end within the first 10 seconds. That's how quickly. Because I said, I literally opened it up. I said, mate, I play bass, Pantera, great band. You know, you're playing. It's been so influential. And he goes, you know, I'm not going to put in his accent, but he says, if this is going to be another he- damn heavy metal interview, I'm not going to do it. I'm like, okay, then, radio. Yeah, he's, 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 he's just bitter, I think. And, again, Phil, ha- having had a chat to Phil Anselmo, completely opposite, gracious yeah. with his time, um, will answer your questions. You don't go there on the dime thing because you're not silly enough to do that with him. It's all out there. You know, this was just after the dime bash thing too where he got accused of racism or what have you when I spoke yeah. to him. And um, But he couldn't, have been a, he couldn't have been a more congenial fellow, I've got to say. Um, and even, even it was weird getting a message from him afterwards. Because he wanted to know, he wanted to know about rugby league, so I sent him through some okay. some some clips on rugby league, and he messaged me back afterwards. So we did have an exchange. That was pretty bloody surreal. I've got to say, having an exchange like that with Phil Anselmo, like oh, yeah. after the fact. But but most to your point, <laughs> yeah, most to your point, especially the younger European bands that are coming through, they're fantastic. You know, Nora from oh, yeah. um, Battle Beast, all these European bands, sort of the death metal bands. Uh, are uh, the stuff that that they're the music that they're creating is fantastic. In interviews, they're they're articulate. They will answer your question directly. They'll even put a bit more on top, and then they'll sometimes switch it around and try to get to know you a little bit. Yeah, which I think that's sort of fun. Yeah, exactly. Well, what you're just saying there, that's exactly right. Um, especially, I found out with the, a lot of the European ones. They, they do that. They actually ask you questions about yourself and, hey, so what have you been doing? And you know, it's not just all about the, the album or what you tend to be into them for. They, yeah, they like to have you have a chat as well, which is really good. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, the whole section in my conversation with Sharon Denadell from Within Temptation, who are a huge band. I'll admit, yeah. I hadn't, did, I certainly knew of the band before the opportunity to chat to her came up, but when you go and see, they've God knows how many Facebook followers in the tens of millions anyway, that that level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, hundreds of millions of views on, on YouTube. They did the, um, what song did they do? Oh, my gosh. I'm not having a good night tonight in terms of remembering things at the moment. This is why I do podcasts in the morning. But anyway, they did a huge David Guetta song. They turned a David Guetta song that Sia also sang on into like a metal song, but, you know, like a dance metal sort of track. So that's one of their claims. They've got – they're a great band unto themselves, but Sharon Denadell, she and I are talking about our, our kids on the the podcast. And that's happened so often with so many of the guests because we're all just people. We're just, we're just, we're connecting yeah. here because of the opportunity to talk about music. But you strip that layer back, and it's only a thin layer that one. We're just people trying to earn money, go yeah. about our day, send our kids to school, all the rest of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now, now a lot of them are really good. Yeah. Which is great. Like I said, that's probably the only one I can think of. But besides that, they're all being, they're really down to earth and um, easy to talk to. Yeah. Well, mate, long may you continue to, yeah, bloody oath, it is, yeah. Yeah, I, I still haven't run out of steam with it yet. I've been doing We've both been doing it since 2017. I haven't run out of mm. steam yet. I, I do I do have more limited time these days to do it, and I am a little bit more picky in terms of who, who I have conversations with. That's not saying that I'm ignoring anybody because I'm not. Yeah, yeah. But you've just got to sort of pick your target. You've got to pick your mark. If I do more than three a week, I find I'm just exhausted. I'm just done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And especially now, like I've, um, I'm a few behind. I've got you know, a few other people I've interviewed. Um, like I had a, an artist on Juno Dever, which uh, she knows Phoenix is another guitarist in America. She's great. Mm. So I've got her. I've got the Tommy one from Amorphous, uh, that guy from um, the, the book that the Van Halen book. 
So I've got about probably four or five there. I need to try and get out of there real soon. <laughs> oh, good luck to you, mate. Yeah. Well, mate, look, it's been great to chat. I'll, I'll wrap things up. But before I do, can you please direct everybody where to go if they want to stream or more importantly, buy your CD? And can you tell us the name? I know the album's called The Mission, but can you give us all of the titles and where we need to go? Yeah. Um, so basically, the, I mean, if you want to get the CD, it's just on our, our Facebook page, which is just uh, Roach and Whedon. And so the and it's, it's on all the Spotify, um, Apple Music, and we've got the on Bandcamp as well. So again, if you type in Rachel Wade on uh, Bandcamp, you can actually buy a CD if you want to buy it. Mm. Uh, and then we've got the YouTube channel as well, which is under my name, Adam Roach, and we've got a few film clips on there. And I've always got the links in my podcast as well, which has become a guitarist today. There you go. You heard the man. Do check out his podcast. I listen to it quite a bit. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation there with the, uh, I'm going to call him the, the Van Halen biographer, effectively. If he's had that many conversations with him, that's basically what he is. Yeah. I'm going to check that one out. But I've always enjoyed your style um, from the perspective that you're a musician and you're a guitarist. And as far as, I mean, I'm a musician too, as we've spoken about, I do believe it gives us the edge when talking to musicians because I've heard the other ones, the other podcasts where they're not musicians and talking and they tend to veer off and do, they, they don't have as a, a much of a command as asking the nitty gritty questions about the recording process and why things evolve as what they do. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the other thing, sorry, I forgot to mention before is the other thing I do like to do when I get a, a new album for you know, one of the guys that we're interviewing is actually like to jam to the album as well, mm. which I pick up on the podcast as well where you know, I might figure out a few parts and now I can ask them about that. And and I find a lot of those guys are really happy with it as well. Like, oh, wow, you did listen to the album or even jam with it. You know, yeah, which is really good. Yeah, yeah. Final point I'll make then is um, talking to Bill Steer from Carcass. And I picked, yes. up, I picked up that there were some hand claps. This is a yeah. gore grind band and they had hand claps in one of the choruses and uh, he said, hey, you picked that up. And he, he explained that a few people had picked it up and they'd given them a lot of shit for it, saying a gore grind band, gore grind band should never have that. And I'm thinking, this is Carcass. That's exactly in their lane. <laughs> that's what they do. They yeah, have yeah, all these yeah. sort of Easter eggs like that in their Thanks music. Too. You know, but yeah, yeah, fans, really good. yeah, but look, fantastic to chat, brother. Um, please keep doing what you're doing. I enjoy your podcast and what you've done here with your album. Um, you should be justifiably proud of the work that you've put into it because it is quite a collection of tunes out there. It's not just for the guitar appreciator. If you just love guitar driven melodies, well thought out melodies, at that with some killer lead breaks as we've spoken about Jennifer Patton Batten is a guest amongst many other notable musicians definitely check it out thanks again mate thank you very much thanks Andrew there he is ladies and gentlemen Adam Roach from Roach and Waden and also the host of the Become a Guitarist Today podcast Adam sent me a message not long ago to let me know to tell you that if you order the album it features individual artwork for each song as designed by Phoenix van der Weyden. There you go. I'll put a bunch of links in the socials post too if you're just listening to this and haven't seen the Instagram and the Facebook post. But yes, you can link, you can click the links and go to wherever Adam takes you to check out the album, The Mission from Roach and Weyden. Time to do some self-promotion now because I also have a release coming out, but this one's a book. Scars and Guitars, Volume 1, Conversations from the World of Heavy Metal, Hard Rock and Beyond. Well over 50 artists feature from... No, 90 artists feature from over 50 bands. There you go. If you listen to the podcast, what I've done is I've condensed hand-picked... hand-picked musicians from bands that some of them aren't necessarily my favourite. They were rather interesting conversations, though. And I wanted to talk about why they were interesting and some of the deep insights that were offered throughout the conversation. So there you go. There's a link in my website, scarsandguitars.com. It's in the banner, very easy to find. It'll take you to the marketplace and you can choose a vendor of your choice and download the ebook that way. After the 20th of February, that is. But you can pre-order it. Yay, pre-order. On that note, my name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and I'm the host of this show, Scars and Guitars. I truly appreciate that you have tuned in to my chat with Adam. Until next time, it is a very good bye. 
for now. 